This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Swamp Thing, Season 2, Episodes 5 and 8. Oh, the Phantom of the Swamp. I shouldn't take too much notice of him if I was you. He's just a man without both oars in the water. You know him? You've seen him? I knew him well. He was a brilliant scientist at one time, and then one day it all became too much for him, and he, uh... Well, he changed. Now he lives in the swamp. Between you and me, he thinks he is the swamp. Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast asking listeners to send in any tips about the disappearance of Jim Kip. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Uh, two questions for you uh, related to uh, what you just said there about Jim Kip. One, how long did it take you to realize Jim wasn't in the episode? And two, how excited were you when you realized Jim wasn't in the episode? Um, I mean, I knew when they revealed he wasn't going to ever be on the show again. <laughs> See, I kind of was just, uh, when I'm watching Swamp Thing, I kind of just let it wash over me, you know, just just like sitting at the on a swamp. I'm just like letting the atmosphere come you're to me. Ba- and I was you're like, staring at it through a pair of trees. <laughs> That's right. And I'm just watching. I was like, wait a minute. It's been a while since Jim's been on this. Is he not in the show anymore? And the answer is no, he's gone. Did you? And I have it here uh, in my notes. Did you read how Jim was taken out of the show? It's in the episode. No, 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 but, like, they really they really put the details in. Yeah, it's all in the this episode. They talk all about it. <laughs> do, they, do they go through all the details? Yes. Mm, see, I was just letting it wash over me because <laughs> I went and I looked it up. When we get to it, we'll see what, if there was something they didn't mention in the episode. But they went into great detail, and I was sitting there being like, excuse me? Pardon me? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty great. All right. Well, let's move on, Jordan. Let's do a little discussion about Swamp Thing. We've a few episodes in. I realize we've been doing a lot of just kind of theorizing and assumptions about kind of like the making of the show and like how it came together and like what the kind of like crass reasons were. And, you know, <laughs> for better or worse, it just felt that way while we were watching it. But I'm like, you know, we should probably like actually just do a little bit of reading about it and not just like slander it entirely. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's probably fair. So we did a little bit of looking into the creation of the show and, um, kind of interesting some interesting people involved anyway did you know the show was developed for tv by joseph stefano the screenwriter of psycho (laughs) i did not know that no yeah he was the first person who came in he wrote and uh directed a continued drag tv movie we've also watched oh oh i'm trying to think what that could have been it was the ghost of sierra de corbra Oh, you know, that was pretty good. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, the one with Martin Lando. It was quite good. And so he was sort of brought in to sort of develop this concept. And I, I he wrote the first half of the first season and kind of came up with the pilot and stuff. And um, we were not entirely wrong about some of it, though. Um, apparently, it was, it was shot at the brand new Universal Studios Florida. And partly why they did is they wanted to demonstrate a series could be produced cheaply and quickly in Florida. Hmm. Well... Well, they they did they definitely can make a show cheaply and uh, quickly. Is is it any good? I guess is the real question. Um, apparently, even in the first season, they used some real swamps while they were there, and then very quickly were like, "It'd be easier to build a swamp set and not come into the swamp." Yeah, I mean, fair. 
doesn't make sense. But um, at any rate, Joseph Stefano, he was there for the first half of the first season, and then they brought in a new EP, a guy named Tom Green. Uh, not that Tom Green, unfortunately, or we'd have a very different show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he came in, and he just retooled the show. Uh, he was kind of an established TV writer. He'd worked on Knight Rider and things and kind of tried to uh, sort of up the comic book side of it. Um, I, I'm not sure if you saw this anywhere, but I was reading that uh, uh, an old Continuing Break favorite came in in the middle of the second season. Who was that? Carrie Werher from Sliders. Oh, oh, you know what's right? I saw her credit on it, and she pay, plays Abigail, who's actually an important comic book character, but I saw she was only in a few episodes, so I'm assuming it was just like a small storyline that happened. Yeah, when they retooled the first season, which we'll talk about, obviously, they brought mm-hmm. in this new kid character who's like, an, who's like you know 19 years old and removed Jim Kipp from the show. So he came in, Abigail, I guess Swamp Thing's wife in the comic books, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she also came in for the second half of the first season, so they really retooled and like focused on the comic books a little bit more. Yeah, which I'll I'll say um, before we even get into these, regardless of how bad the quality was before, and I think it only can get so much better. It's a markedly better show that we're watching. Well, this is not Tom Green's doing though, because at the beginning of season two, he was also replaced <laughs> um, by a man named Tom Bloomquist, and he was brought into uh, again do another retooling. He was brought in when they decided to extend it to 50 additional episodes. That's the two-season run we're seeing, particularly the last 39 episodes. And he was a writer on The A-Team and Quantum Leap. And when he was brought in, he was brought in to move away from the comics, kind of like give up on all that stuff and just kind of try to make it just like a... They wanted the tone to get a bit darker, apparently, but they they wanted to move away from the comics in general. Hmm. And uh, I went through and I was, you know, obviously looking at the people involved, like the writers and the directors and things, and... Those were the keys. Those guys kind of like ran the show. But uh, there were quite a few people who are uh, continuing drag all-stars who worked on this show. It, it is funny. We've said this, I think, multiple times before. But it seems like the amount of, you know, and I and I use this term and not as disparaging as it seems, but like sort of these jobber jobs, right, where people just like, you know, it's like the Star Trek writers. You see these people who just like, they're like, hey, you wrote for Star Trek? You're going to write for every bad sci-fi show. And you just know they're just knocking these things out, you know? Well, uh we had sliders. There's three people who worked on the show who worked on sliders, a director and two <laughs> writers. Uh, okay. Threshold. Do you remember Threshold? I do, yeah. One of the directors was working on Threshold. Sequest had three people. Two directors and a writer worked on Sequest. Wow. Auto Man shares a director, shares a director with this show. <laughs> Planet of the Apes shares a writer with this show. Invasion America shares a writer with this show. Wow. Wow. And th- that's a pretty uh, wide range of uh, time periods there, huh? Yeah, all over the place. Forever Night has a writer on this show. <laughs> and so does Tech War. Wow. Wow. So that is that really is. a. Um, now, that's either saying um, it's impressive, uh, the pedigree on the show, or it's saying <laughs> we're just hitting the same quality shows over and over and over. <laughs> Well, this is interesting. It does seem like they brought a lot of people through the door, people working yeah. on other shows, and they would just pop out a, a pop out a script for the show and uh, kind of keep going. Because um, there was also, a, not a continuing Greg All-Star, but I have a feeling, a Jordan All-Star. What's that? And who's that, I should say? One of the directors on the show was Leave It to Beaver's Wally Cleaver. <laughs> really? Wally directed an episode? I didn't know he became a director. He directed a few episodes, including the episode from Beyond the Grave that we watched last week. <laughs> so the the most uh, the most esoteric episode he did. Well done, Wally. I knew that would be uh, special to you. <laughs> did you not watch Leave It to Beaver? No, I am not ancient. 
I was just talking to people before about that, how we all watched it. To be fair, and I and I will admit this, the two people I w- were speaking to were both in their 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as your social circle. That's right. That's right. We were all just sitting around <laughs> having a cup of tea, talking about Leave it to Beaver. No big deal. For some reason, I read that. I'm just like, Jordan will definitely like know this man and be nostalgic for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wally, of course. I've never seen an episode of the show. Oh, man, you're missing out. It was like off TV by the time I was a child. Syndication. The Beef, he was always getting in very lighthearted trouble. Now, I also have another couple writers I'm going to talk about here. And, you know, Jordan, I don't think you're going to appreciate this quite as much. You know, you're a noted cynic, Mm. a noted noted kind of... uh, (laughs) This is not going to be something I think you're going to feel strongly about. But I found it to be just a... um, uplifting heartwarming story i I, honestly i this this really made my day i'm not a cynic i'm I'm denying i'm denying that i'm a noted cynic but continue (laughs) well we'll see what your reaction to this is there are two writers who did a few episodes i think they did uh three or four episodes of this show um Mm. there were a couple of sisters named sandra and judith berg they wrote three or yeah i think three or four episodes of swamp thing and prior to this, in the 70s and the 80s, they had written three feature films. Nothing I'd ever really heard of before, but one of them like starred Kathy Ireland and like looked like it was a pretty big budget thing, although like not didn't take off. And they had written right. under a few pseudonyms over the course of that time. But, you know, wrote something in the 70s, wrote a couple things in the 80s, did a few episodes of Swamp Thing. And, you know, their, their writing credits stop at that point. So we're talking like 1990, right? Their, their writing credits stop. But then their writing credits pick back up again in 2015. Hmm. And they returned to write 13 Hallmark movies between 2015 and 2023, including what appears to be like a, they adapted a novel for that that was turned into a six series of a six movie series for Hallmark about like a magic wedding veil with like crazy powers or something. And like they're still writing stuff. And I was just like. There's something so inspiring about these women who, like, they tried to get a few features made. None of them clicked. They ended up on Swamp Thing. And in, like, 1990, like, their their credits stop. And then, was that 25 years later, suddenly they're, like, back at it. The two sisters are just pounding out movies. They've got, like, a huge career now. I'm just like, that's that's amazing. Who who knows what, um, uh, what happened there? Maybe they both went off to have families and then decided to come back. But, I mean, kudos to, to, to finding their... Uh... Their niche, right? I mean, Hallmark movies still pay the bills. I mean, they created a six-movie series that is like... I was looking at the IMDb ratings, and you know IMDb ratings. They're like usually pretty like mm-hmm. low or like medium. Very highly rated, these movies. They wrote the first three or four of them, and there's like two more they're not writers on, but you know they're like based on their characters now. And I'm just like... They, they created like a long-running Hallmark series as well. I'm just like, man, talk about like just, just pushing through it, keep working and like... Eventually they hit it 25 years later and it's just like, I'm like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's all thanked, thanks to Swamp Thing, huh? Yeah. Swamp Thing crushed their <laughs> career, their hopes and dreams. <laughs> and after 25 years, they managed to get back on their feet. Good for them. And it's, it was, a, it was a, a sister writing combo, you said? Yeah. A sister writing duo, Judith and Sandra Berg. And I just was, I happened to come across them. I was looking at their credits. I was like, whoa, what's this gap right here? I'm like, oh my God, that's kind of amazing. Oh, good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jordan, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's, uh, let's, what was it, episode five, Better Angels? Yes, it's the INDB summary for season two, episode five, Better Angels. A scientist from Alec Holland's past is employed by a businessman who claims he wants to build a recycling plant near the swamp. 
Yeah. I mean, this episode sort of uh, telegraphs exactly what's going to happen. But I think you can really feel the difference in this season and the first season. You had mentioned sort of the sort of couple of retoolings that had gone through. But just not having Jim in it alone is like losing this dead weight that really hurt the show. Now, is it a great TV show? No, it's absolutely not a great TV show. But it's like, it's just like taking this horrible festering wound and like sewing that up you know ouch poor jim he's terrible he was he was the worst part of the show i mean even for a kid show it's like he was like a kid's character from like a 1950s kid show like it didn't work at all so removing him gives the tiniest bit more screen time to swamp thing god forbid the character that your show is named after instead of now 30 seconds he's in each episode for two minutes it's like hey what an improvement (laughs) I mean, I we'll see how it goes. I'm not sure I 100% agree, but we'll see how it goes. Well, I know, as I said before, is it still a good TV show? No, no, it's a bad TV show, but it's way better than it was the first couple episodes. I mean, I don't know how you could disagree. It's not having Jim walk by and be confused. Like, it's got to be better. Well, it starts off with a surveyor in the swamp. He's trying to do a little survey, but then someone mm. suddenly someone murders him. Oh, no, a murder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sets it up, and it's like, it does all have the same problem with, like, the cold openings are so fast. It's just like, guys surveying, someone hits him, dead, credits. You're like, okay, all right, sure. And we come back, and there's a community meeting happening for the town. A wealthy landowner named Carter LaRoche is building Mm -hmm. a recycling plant on the swamp. Um, Everyone likes the idea in town, apparently, except for Dr. Arcane, who doesn't buy into this rich guy's altruism. And uh, did you notice, apparently, in season two, he's gone full goth? Yeah, he's wearing, he's wearing like, like he looks like he's from My Chemical Romance or something. He's wearing like a very slim, entirely black outfit, like almost military buttons. And he's wearing like a big hat over, but he still has gigantic hair. And it's like in the middle of the sun. And I'm like, I guess it's, he's evil, but it's very peculiar to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But this LaRoche guy, he's there. He's assuring the town this is only up and up because he's hired an ecologist named Ann Fisk to come and supervise the building of the recycling plant. It's going to be all in the up and up. They're going to make the environment better. This is all about like a rich guy trying to do something good for the earth. Dr. Ann Fisk, you should mention. She's a doctor. I guess her PhD is in ecology? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, at any rate, what we see next is Swamp Thing peeping from the swamp as he always does he's just peeping on this like gathering of people and he has a flashback where uh Mm. he remembers being a human thing and uh he had a student who was i guess at his school with him at the time who um she really challenged him on his extreme optimism into genetic research and uh it's applications to humanity and whether there could possibly be any moral or um, ethical considerations which he brushes aside entirely by saying well i believe abraham lincoln said our uh, discoveries will be dictated by the angels of our better nature and i was just like is this supposed to be ironic because you died in a swamp and became a swamp man i think they were trying to play with that a little bit like maybe this sort of naivete that he had about himself but it but it it, it is odd but, uh, but how excited were you to see what swamp thing looks like as a human though i was very excited to see man thing it was very good uh <laughs> he was generically handsome as you might expect yeah there wasn't anything interesting about it at all and i looked and it's the only episode that that he just shows up you just you don't you never get to really learn much about swamp thing this is it this is pretty much the only time 
I did read somewhere there's a two, maybe three episodes where he appears as a human, and they just change the actor every that, time. That's what I meant. Sorry, I, I, I said that badly. It's not that you never will see him as Alec Holland. It's that he's just such a generic person. They're just like, yeah, it's this guy now, this guy. No one's going to remember. You only remember him as Swamp Thing. Exactly. And anyway, it cuts back from this flashback to the town meeting, and someone finally notices that the entire <laughs> like press conference they're holding is literally on top of the dead surveyor's body. It was great. It's like, because where they're doing the big announcement is on uh, the very edge of the swamp. So you're like, okay, that kind of makes sense. They're like, this is going to be, you know, ground zero. This is where we're going to break ground and, and build this new recycling plant. Oh, wait, look right there. And then they're just like the camera pans to like one foot away and the, and the dead body's floating there. And he's also wearing like a fluorescent vest. You're like, yeah, you guys maybe should have should have checked that out a little bit before you set up the microphone. <laughs> it's very funny um and they go and do an autopsy on the guy and they find out his death was uh, they do, they rule it anyway as an accidental drowning um but when they check the water in his lungs it's filled with industrial waste uh implying that the swamps perhaps have some poison in them and it's at this moment i i guess dr arcane just has the keys to the city he just walks into the uh autopsy lab the, like the like the i assume the city police morgue he just walks directly into it and is like upset he's yelling at LaRoche he doesn't believe that this recycling plant is actually good that he's like some sort of huckster who's here and um I at this point in the episode I was just like did something change between season one and season Mm -hmm. two is Dr. Arcane a good guy now I don't understand yeah it was a little bit confusing and and it's funny because it does seem like uh at the very at very least his character has adjusted slightly and because we've missed so many episodes we don't you know, after one of the retoolings, you're not quite sure where he sits. Because, again, you're right. He seems to be doing the right thing. But he's also, as you mentioned, just dressed as the most evil character ever. So I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. But, yes, he sort of does this whole thing of, like, I don't believe the test. And then he's like, there's only one thing I believe is, like, in my lab. So you, Dr. Anne, you can do the test. But it has to be on my lab because I trust it. And trust me, I'm not going to be creepy at all and just stand behind you while you're doing tests. That's right. That's right. Ann Fisk is going to go back to the swamp. She's going to test some samples, see what's going on, why this industrial rice is in this man's lungs. And Dr. Arcane's lab is going to be where they test it so they know it's like safe results because they can't trust this LaRoche guy. Maybe maybe he's involved with it somehow. And anyway, mm-hmm. Ann heads out. She goes in the swamp. She can't just scoop up water and walk back to the lab. She's going to spend the night. She set up a tent. She's going to spend the night in the swamp collecting samples. Mm-hmm. And I, I what I like is... Any anytime she goes into the swamp, everyone else we're gonna have to see a bunch of people going to the swamp. They're always fully dressed, not her. She's got to wear cute little shorts. Just saying. That's right. That's right. And as the, as the sun goes down that night, she starts stripping off her boots, getting ready for bed. <laughs> and we cut to Swamp Thing watching from the bushes as she pulls her like long, long legs out of these thigh high boots, and they push in on Swamp Thing, and he's just nodding his head like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Oh yeah, I was like, "Why are you using these takes? Why, why are you using this take where he nods as he like watches her take off her clothes? Like, yeah. he is really peeper thing now. He's full on become a pervert." I love it. There's, there's no way you cannot think he's just peeping on her because you're right. The take they took, it's literally him like nodding. He might as well be like rubbing his hands together, licking his lips. Absolutely. I was just like, it's so lascivious. It's so lascivious. <laughs> yeah, he's a creep. Anyway, in the middle of the night as she's sleeping there, she hears Swamp Thing creeping around her tent, which wakes her up. And so she she comes out of her tent holding a dirty, hairy-sized handgun. <laughs> I know. Why she brought that to the swamp? I guess alligators, but it did, it did seem a little bit much. And I think it's also because she's probably a tiny 
person. The gun is just gigantic in her hand. But she comes out, and Swamp Thing talks to her but stays hidden. And I like that they, they try to get around how weird and creepy that is and how, you know, a normal human would respond. It's sort of like, she's like, why won't you come to the shadows? He's like, I can't. And she's like, that's weird. He's like, I know it's weird, but it's okay. And she's like, ah, I guess that makes sense. You're like, what? She just, she had because she has to turn. Like, he doesn't ever make an argument for it. But like, in the span of three seconds, she goes from, this is weird, you're dangerous to, okay, I guess I'll listen to you because he's made no reasons. But I know, it's so the funny. The point is, he, he warns her, but again, he warns her in the vaguest way possible, but I never understand why Swamp Thing can't come out because there's never been an explanation that like, he can't interfere, but he's like pushing it as far as he can you know, within whatever restraints he has, because that's what it seems like. But I, I, that's never been established. So it's just that he's vague because the show needs him to be so other characters can solve stuff because it's expensive to have him in the costume. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you why they choose to do this, but they do. I, I, what I mostly liked about this is you're right. He won't come out of the shadows. He's only talking from that. And he just becomes deep throat from the X-Files because all he says is like, <laughs> trust no one. And then he walks away. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> thanks for that help swamp thing because as as uh the one thing that stayed the same in this show is the mechanism of the show is swamp thing shows up there's a problem he needs the humans to do it so they do all the action is with them he just stays off in the distance that hasn't changed again there's a little bit more swamp thing but they still can't have him actually be too much of an active participant in the action yeah the only thing they've really changed about swamp thing is he's now a pervert for sure it's like confirmed (laughs) I think yeah, oh yeah, I think he was always it was always hinted. Now it's confirmed. That's funny. Anyway, we go back to Arcane's lab, and Anne's brought the study these samples back to study under a microscope. And this is what you kind of alluded to earlier. Arcane stands over her shoulder, looking through the microscope, like with her, and he starts talking dirty about protozoa. Yeah, he's just like he's. That's one thing that's consistent is uh, he's also horny. Yeah, it's so crazy. And then Anne, like she's finished studying the things, and she turns to Arcane and says. You know what? Last night, I had the weirdest dream. I wo- I it felt so real, but I woke up this morning and I was just like, "No, that was a dream." This weird voice telling me like to trust no one. It wasn't real. And Arcane just looks at her and it's like, "No, that dream was real. That was 100% real that dream." Yeah. It was it was a couple things were weird because there was nothing happened that would make her think it was a dream, right? It's not like, can you imagine you're in this swamp by yourself? It's already probably a little creepy. You hear someone wakes you up and then talks to you. And, like, you have a gun out and everything. Then you decide, oh, I guess I'll go back to sleep. You're not going to wake up in the morning and go, I think that was a dream. You know what happened. But, you're right, the better part is that she's like, I had this weird nebulous feeling. And then he's like, oh, um, yeah, that was probably Swamp Thing. He used to be a scientist. Anyway, it's like it's it's almost to that fact. He doesn't say he's Swamp Thing, but he's just like, yeah, yeah, there's a, a creepy scientist in the uh, in the swamp. He went crazy or something. Anyway, probably was him. Don't worry about it. Back to your tests. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, let me tell you about the Phantom of the Swamp. <laughs> but I was so weird, because it was just like, you know, everything we know about him is just like, him and Swamp Thing are enemies. And then, like, some woman comes in and says, I just had a weird dream about a voice in the forest. And you think that'd be him being like, that probably was a dream. But he's just immediately just yeah. like, no, you stupid idiot, it wasn't a dream, it was real, it's my arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> so, it is just like, I guess they needed him to confirm in some way so that when she eventually talks to Swamp Thing in the Shadows again, they don't have to go through the same sort of like run around again. But it was like, okay, it doesn't make any sense. But as we are. Sure, why not? We go to the town hall and uh, 
and uh, there's like a big announcement and uh, Dr. Ann Fisk is kind of giving the resu- results and she's like, look, unfortunately things are polluted, um, but like we want to fix things. And then LaRoche sort of takes over the mic and says, hey, uh, she's right. And uh, you know, I know I really wanted to make this plant. It was going to be great for the community. It was going to bring jobs and stuff, but you guys know I can't build now. This is poison ground. Uh, I can't, yeah, I can't build anything. So it's going to be worthless land. And unfortunately, everything, all your land is worthless too, because, you know, it, it's just the, it's just the way it is. But because I'm such a good guy and I'm clearly not some sort of like huckster that you've seen in a million shows, I will offer on top dollar to buy all the properties if they're touching the swamp. And then everyone's yeah, I know. Like, no questions. And give and give them like a, no questions asked. They all kind of give them like a lukewarm response. Um, and of course, we cut away from this, and it turns out LaRoche and Dr. Arcane are working together. It started making sense to me finally. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they were playing the long game, but what I guess was the worry was that he wanted the doctor to think the results were actually bad when they're not. And he's on Arcane's side. I'm like, but why didn't you just get a doctor that was like on your side and you didn't have to fool? I guess that's true, but she's probably got like great publications. People really trust her. Mm. She's yeah, on D- so. she's on uh, USA Today. Like everyone knows her <laughs> face. It's just like like how many like you just think of the like how many oil companies in the world right now can just have a doctor come out and be like, oil's good for the environment. It's just like you know what I mean. Like it, it shouldn't have been that hard. Yeah, it's it is true. Um, but what Arcane does say, and I actually when he started talking about this, I'm like, okay, now I understand what this whole plot is. Is Arcane's just like. I'm glad to be working with you. This is great. The problem for me is everybody in this town always does the opposite of what I say because they hate me so much. So I just need to bring someone in to say something. And I would say the opposite of that person. And then they would all fall on your <laughs> side. And I was just like, he reverse psychology an entire town. <laughs> it is pretty funny because it is like, why is he being so weird uh, at the press conference? Because it's like the press conference was happening at the beginning of the episode. He keeps being like, this is a terrible idea. And everyone's like, ugh, Arcane is so annoying. It's like, oh, he publicly, yeah, he was reverse psychology you, all of you dumb people. And now that they have the land, they can finally move forward and build a resort called Play in the Spray. Yeah, play in the spray. It was so bizarre, right? And it's like, because um, at first I was like, what is that supposed to be? And it's like, yeah, he's making a theme park. And why they want to make it there, I'm not sure. Has this always been his plan? I don't, I think it's more, and maybe I'm reading into it. My, what I thought was more, he was going to be able to just reap the benefits of some of the money of mm. it. It did seem like him and LaRoche were far more equal partners than I assumed. I always just assume everyone works under Dr. Arcane, but it did seem like LaRoche had, it felt like a meeting of equals. So I was like, I guess maybe it's just LaRoche's thing and Dr. Arcane's just like happy to go along. I was a little confused. He saw like, a deal right. he couldn't pass up, Luke. Yeah, yeah, it's a great investment. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, with this all done, Anne returns to the swamp again, hoping to talk to the mysterious voice because she still, I guess, has questions about the results. And anyway, Swamp Thing peeps from the forest and is like, hey, remember how I told you not to trust anyone? Well, let me be a little more specific this time. I meant LaRoche. <laughs> Don't trust LaRoche. <laughs> I do. I do love that. It's um, it's literally the exact same conversation. She's still wearing cute shorts. And uh, he just this time he's like, oh, I guess I wasn't as clear 
It's LaRoche. Anyways, if you come back to me one more time, I'll explain more. <laughs> I like, though, he tells her that, and she couldn't be more shocked. She can't believe this man who's buying up all this land could possibly be a bad guy. I'm just like, <sighs> Yeah, she's, she's like, how could that possibly be? He wants to make a recycling plant and make the world better. I was like, come on, Dr. Anne. Uh, you're a little naive here. At any rate, yeah. Swamp Thing's just like, here's what you got to do. You got to trick Dr. Arcane and LaRoche into coming to the swamp to spend one night. And you know what? If they're guilty, justice will be served swamp style. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then we cut to um, uh, Arcane having dinner with his frozen wife. Yeah, there's just a woman in a glass tube he's having dinner with, Tatiana. And I'm like, who who is this person? Yeah, and we're going to find out in later episodes that that's his, uh, apparently his, his ex-wife. But I just like, I like that that s- small bit of serialization where we're just like, what? He's having dinner and she's there in a tube. And then what I like is LaRoche comes in and they kind of argue about stuff. At the very end, LaRoche is like, who is that? And then they just cut. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. But yes. Dinner's interrupted. LaRoche comes in, sort of says, hey, Anne's going back to the swamp. She's getting more samples, but this time she's going to process the samples in the swamp and not your lab. And I was just like, what? Why did she not do that to begin with? Yeah. Well, they just they just need her to be able to be like, you know, why why would she not have the same results? But yeah, they're worried that now she's going to do the, the test. They're going to come back uh, negative for any sort of pollutants, and uh, it's going to be a problem now because they will be able to, to, to build the you know recycling plant which obviously they never wanted to do yeah and so laroche is or uh, arcane's like well i'll go to the swamp with her and i'll poison them uh, like live i'll just do it as it happens and then laroche is like well i can't trust you to do that by yourself so i'm also gonna come to the swamp so swamp thing's plan is working perfectly <laughs> yeah and uh, uh so they're all out in the uh, the swamp we see laroche is kind of like they all the tents are set up he's working on something and swamp thing uses his swamp thing powers to do what I think might be the most terrifying thing that could ever happen to someone, which is a few worms are on his shirt. Yeah, what if some mealworms were on your shirt? <laughs> and it just and they just keep cutting. It's like LaRoche is like working on something. He's writing. He's writing on like a map or something. And it, it you know shows Swamp Thing, and then it cuts back to him, and then back to Swamp Thing. Then you look go back, and it's like there's a couple worms on him. Then back to Swamp Thing, and he looks so pleased with himself. And I was like Swamp <laughs> Thing, Swamp Thing, make him into a tree. You guys made one guy into a tree at one point. No, no, no. Just a few little wormies. That'll help. <laughs> and the guy's like, ah, worms. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. Anyway, this draws Dr. Arcane out. And you keep mentioning, like, uh, this LaRoche guy's working on something. He's not just working on something. Keep in mind, Jordan, he is there with Ann Fisk, who they're still trying to convince he's a good man. Folded out on a table in front of in front of ever, all the tents, like where they're all clearly like set up. Mm-hmm. He just has the blueprints to play and spray. He's working on the blueprints to the resort he's buying all this land for. And I was like, maybe Anne can't read blueprints, but I think this is a pretty bold move to like be like explicitly exposing your plan. It's true, and and that that's uh, sort of it's it's he has it so there could be a bit of a turn with him and Arcane because Arcane sort of sees the plans and is like, well, you're gonna if you build this you're going to get rid of the swamp and and laroche is like yeah of course i'm going to get rid of the swamp and arcane's like no 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 the swamp's important by the way i have all these like mutants running around i need i need them to have somewhere to live i guess his studies i think are important For some reason there's something magical about this area that it draws arcane there but i think his plan i thought what he thought was going to happen was 
something was going to get built adjacent to the adjacent to the swamp. He didn't realize all of it was going to be gone. I don't know why you would have thought that, but that's what it seems like. Well, what they argue about is he's like he's looking at the blueprints. Apparently, for the first time, he's like, "You're going to drain the swamp. That wasn't the deal. You were supposed to flood the swamp." And I was like, "What? You're supposed to flood the swamp to build the resort, <laughs> Arcane? What are you talking about?" And then Arcane's just like, "Well, we can't do this because if you drain the swamp, you could quote." cause repercussions from another dimension yeah of course luke of course what dimension what is he talking about i don't know swamp things dimension i don't know we missed something at any rate arcane just like well i can't be involved in this now and he jumps in his car and just (laughs) drives off i was like what is happening yeah i did like that and he's just like anyways i know i'll have more adventures you guys i'll leave you to it anyway night rolls in laroche goes to sleep in his tent and like swamp thing starts flooding the tent full of water all of this turns out to be hallucinations i think but he he floods laroche's tent full of water laroche runs out he's running through the swamp the dead surveyor that we find out he murdered like pops out of the swamp he's like you murdered me i'm a hallucination brought on by swamp gases i guess is that swamp thing's power this wasn't didn't quite make sense but yeah it was like it was a vision but like it grabs him out of the water he gets really upset and then it's such a shocking uh scary image to him that it makes him crazy yeah he he comes back to or the camera anyway cuts back to the tent reality where he's just standing outside the tents like wailing and Anne leaves her tent and she's like what's wrong laroche and he's just like i'm guilty of murder let me confess to you and i'm like huh yeah and so she's like, oh, the tests are, are negative. There is no pollutants. And he's like, I'm crazy. Cut to him being taken away in a straitjacket by the authorities. Yeah, dragged away in front of the entire town. Yeah, yeah. He's getting taken away. And then Arcane sort of like on the steps of whatever their like government building is basically like, hey, guys, we always knew he was bad. And uh, I was never going to let anything happened to this town and they all like a cheer and he like tears up the plans and they all like cheer for arcane and i'm like well i guess it's good he won <laughs> it is true i was like arcane doesn't miss a beat here his partner went insane he's getting arrested for like this like scam job he's pulling but up till now publicly arcane's been the only one opposing him he's just like well i guess I'll, i'm gonna ride this wave now be like you guys remember i told you so i told you so and then he turns to his henchman and he's like what a bunch of wallies yeah <laughs> i was like the town's a bunch of wallies <laughs> yeah and uh but then the most important thing is uh Anne goes back to the swamp and swamp thing talks to her in shadows and she's like thank you very much i won't forget about you uh, uh mysterious uh swamp man that's not uh the person i knew at one point in my life and and then he drops his very uh, common thing he says all the time, which is that uh, Abraham Lincoln quote that you had from the beginning, which is blah, blah, blah. Well, it's really uh, funny it the way it comes out is because she's like, I understand that the swamp punished LaRoche, but Arcane was there too. Why did the swamp not also punish Arcane? Which is a very good question that makes no sense. But Swamp Thing's like, oh, well, of course it makes sense because um, Dr. Arcane was influenced by the better angels of his nature so he didn't deserve punishment i'm just like wait but he did everything bad he just happened to drive away because he knew he was going to get in trouble like that's that wasn't the better angels of his nature no it was luke that's what swamp thing said but you're right swamp thing says this abraham lincoln quote as you said like his famous catchphrase from when he was a man thing (laughs) she doesn't react jordan she doesn't notice 
doesn't occur to her at all. At she all. turns around, walks out of swamp, gets in a taxi cab, is driving this taxi cab out of town, and like forty five minutes later, she's suddenly like, "Wait a minute, I did someone say that to me before?" Hard cut, freeze frame, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And to what effect? What, what was she supposed to do? Like, it's not like they had this long history together. Like they were they were lovers or something where she's like, there's that person I'm going to run back to him. And I love him despite how swampy he is now. It's not that it's like at one point she was an intern and he was a teacher and she's like, Oh yeah, that, that was, that might've been my teacher. Anyway. I mean, I guess we don't know for sure. I, that flashback strongly implied that professor man thing uh, was abusing his station of power with the young women in his classes. That was a strong implication from that scene. Uh, so I, they may have been lovers. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, the important thing is she remembered, but uh, she still made her plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She had somewhere to be. I don't think she remembered. Yeah. I think she was just like, I've heard that quote before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Here's the INDB summary for season two, episode three, Poisonous. Wait, wait, Alec. He asked me if I knew something about a, a creature living in the swamp. His camera. He must have caught me with it. Oh, no. You know what could happen to you if he shows that on TV? People swarm out here trying to bag you like Bigfoot. Let me worry about that, Will. No, I, I gotta help you, Alec. I can't just sit around doing nothing. There's nothing you can do. I can find that videotape. How will Swamp Thing deal with a man who has captured footage of him on film and the deadly creatures released into the swamp? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just say again, thankfully, Jim is still not in this episode. However, guess who's back? Tressa. Tressa's back, thank God. I was surprised by this episode. They're um, really coming after the host of the nature of things in it. I don't know what their problem with David Suzuki is. They're really aiming for him in this one. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a funny episode. Again, it's a kid's show, so you sort of see everything coming. And they also just like show you right at the beginning what you're basically... The characters are going to have to catch. It's not even like they telegraph it in this episode. They're like... Here's here's a guy. He's a naturalist, a man named Ian James. He's come to the swamp to shoot a TV special. First thing we're going to see about him, he's releasing poisonous swamps from south or poisonous frogs from South America into the swamp in an attempt to kill the ecosystem so he can have a scoop in his next documentary. I'm like, "Okay, I know who the bad guy is now." Yeah, and it's I get it. He's the bad guy. He's, you know, he's pretending to be one thing, he's actually another. But I didn't understand what his documentary was going to be because he was like I, later on, he's like, in the swamp, I've seen that there's a natural predator here that will kill everything. I'm like, yeah, but but you're going to have killed everything in the swamp. Why would it have just happened now? Like, it doesn't quite make sense what he's doing. It would be one thing if he was trying to show that in evolution, animals can occur in different places even if they don't have some sort of predecessor in some sort of weird, you know, in a weird way, some odd discovery that he has made. But, like, I don't understand what his discovery is other than... I don't know, you could very easily explain this too. Um, someone accidentally brought a species into a place it shouldn't be. See, and that's that's what it is. It's He's like, on paper, he's come to do a documentary about the swamps of Louisiana. What he's getting out of those, he's going to break the story that the ecosystem has been poisoned by these swamp frog or these uh, South American frogs that shouldn't be here. Like, his whole thing is it's like, it's more like tabloid scandal he's finding. It, uh, sure. Do you think that's interesting enough to justify his documentary and the money we were going to find out he's making? Because I would argue it's not. 
Well, I mean, he doesn't care. He just likes getting the money. He's just, just trying to have a sen- – he just wants something sensational. And the idea is like, I'll put this out next week. Everyone will be shocked to find out this ecosystem's dying and I was the one who stumbled across it basically. Like his plan is just yeah. like, I'm going to create a scandal. <laughs> right. So that's – you know he's the bad guy. Um, but then we go to um, – oh, and I should say he has a partner named Yuri who is sort of like his kind of like main person who's helping him. He's uh, the cameraman basically. <laughs> he's the cameraman. But he's like his kind of right-hand guy and he's – he's on the fence morally about this like he sort of struggles with what they're doing um which is going to be his character you know minor character arc through this is that he's not really into this but he's sort of like bullied into a helping exactly exactly but you're right we go to the kip household and things have changed around here jordan yeah tressa she's got a new 19 year old adult stepson living with her (laughs) a guy named will kip and i was just like wait so your ex-husband had another kid and you've now brought him into your home. And Tress has just gotten back. Apparently he lives there mostly by himself. But Tress has just gotten back from a trip to South America where she's been searching for her son, Jim, who has been sold into, quote, white slavery. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed. It's just like, It guys, comes out of nowhere. This is so bad. I know. It's so bizarre. I'm just like, I was like, okay, you know, I don't see Will anywhere, or I don't see Jim anywhere. Maybe there's this new kid, Will. I'm probably confusing what their names are. Um, but Will's here now. He's older. He's a hunkier teen. And I was like, I guess, you know, maybe maybe Jim's not coming back. But the fact that they stopped, and this is the middle of season two, Jordan. And as I'm sure you know, looking into this, Will was kidnapped in the middle of season one. So they are still talking about mm-hmm. this kidnapping like half a season later they, they go into so much detail about it. yeah can, can i read what happened from this uh this uh, uh fandom website sure go for it so here's here's the paragraph of what happened to uh, uh jim and you you tell me how much was actually in this episode so here's the paragraph as time passed jim learned more and more about anton arcane and his true motivations he sneaked into arcane's laboratory one evening and witnessed arcane creating a group of sedated mutants uh he was getting ready to ship them off to a labor camp in mozambique while creeping about, Jim made a noise and alerted Arcane to his presence. He ran from the laboratory and Arcane sent his conspirator, Sheriff Andrews, after him. Andrews captured Jim and brought him back to Arcane. He then faked Jim's death so that no one would ever suspect what had truly happened to him. Arcane packaged Jim inside a crate and shipped him to a labor camp in South America. The Swamp Thing knew that Arcane was behind Jim's disappearance and vowed to take revenge, even if it meant going through heaven and hell. <laughs> All right. Well, I can... Guarantee you Swamp Thing didn't think anything. He just stood and watched. <laughs> yeah, I, that last part is definitely not true. Jordan, do you know when that happened, though? No, when did that happen? The episode after the last one we watched. Oh, my gosh. We really picked the wrong ones. So, like, there wasn't even, like, that implies, like, such a buildup to the, like, I'm, I'm sure it had none of that. Gra- like, literally, I'm sure the next episode was just like, Jim's gone. Uh, I guess he was kidnapped. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. It is funny. I do like that a wiki because it's like so much gravitas put on Jim's kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this though, um, Tressa, who up to this point has been uh, is such a non-character, they actually give the poor actress some bit of acting to do, and you get some sort of sense of her as a character. Maybe not a lot, but compared to what she was before, where like she seemed like a zombie in that episode, where like. Uh, Jim brought his friend Lily home or she was just like oh I am a mother yes you were fine I was like they at least she's doing something in these episodes yeah yeah I mean now she's got that hot stepson they're hanging out together 
things are getting heavy that's right and 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 she's got she a big spoiler she's got the hots for ian the naturalist that was so funny ian the naturalist pulls up out front of their house in a limousine when she tressa sees him she runs into the house to doll herself up for him yeah because she's like oh my gosh it's ian what's his name ian something james uh ian james and and uh, she's very excited. She knows who it is. She's like, Will, don't you know who that is? She's like, I can't let him see me like this. She, yeah, she runs upstairs, comes down in her whatever her Sunday best so that he's as impressed with her as possible. Now, explain this to me. They've come by. Is this just the closest place for them to stay towards the swamp? Is that why they're there? Apparently in town, they were told that she would have rooms for rent. Apparently she's turned the house into a boarding house in the episodes that have come and gone i have no i didn't understand because she's like they're like the people in town said you'd have rooms for rent here and she's just like that's crazy i'd never make you pay for them you can have it for free and i was just like god damn it tressa just take the production money what is wrong with you yeah and and i i know you've stayed a lot of b and b's um but what my favorite thing is when i'm staying at someone's place is having a candlelight dinner with them later <laughs> yeah so that's how b and b works you have you stay you have dinner <laughs> so yeah so she has um uh they have this candlelight dinner he's telling like one of his adventures which by the way is is incredibly boring it's about like him and an orangutan both looking at a sunset teresa's gaga for it though she loves it she couldn't be she she, as the kids say she couldn't be thirstier (laughs) but will he doesn't like this uh ian james because if there's one rule in philly jordan it's the bigger the smile the more they are hiding yeah I like that. And then he's like, he's like, and I can see all his teeth. And Tress is like, can you just shut up? You sound like Jim. And you know what happened to him? <laughs> anyway, after dinner, Ian and Tress, so they're having a brandy on the couch. They're discussing, this is where they discuss her missing son, the white slavery yeah. ring that she's been going to South America. He's like, I got some contacts there. I'll call them up. I'll see what we can do. And she's like, thank you so much. And then they're like, what if we kiss now? What if, isn't this a pretty attractive conversation? Isn't this kind of turning you on, my missing son? Yeah, yeah, so it is funny. It's like, here's this horrible tragedy that happened to me. He's like, so I'm going to kiss you. She's like, I'm, I'm into it. He kisses her. She's into it. Then he goes like for a little bit more. And she's like, no, no, thank you. And then he's like, no, no, I am going to. And she's like, I said no. And she gets up and walks away. And you're like, well, I guess uh, he showed his true colors. I mean, it is a, not a terrible scene. I, as you said, the actress has a little more to do. And it's like, a, like you know, there's this little bit of consent concept here, which was I thought was mm-hmm. like far more thoughtful than this show I would have ever thought it would give credit for. But she really is just like, hey, dude, no means no. And uh, I'm kind of pissed off that you tried that. Yeah. We cut to Swamp Thing dealing with the fakest bird we've seen in quite some time that's dead. And he opens its mouth and there's a frog in it. And he's like, wait a minute. This poisonous frog shouldn't be there in my swamp. Yeah, he's just wandering the swamp, finding dead animals. Like, he finds a dead alligator, he finds a dead bird. I'm like, Mm. great work, Swamp Thing. You're just killing it out there. Yeah, and it takes, it's like, Swamp Thing, it should take him, like, one time to find one of these frogs to understand what's happening. And apparently, we're going to find out he can deal with this. But it's like, he just doesn't. No, no. What's more important, Jordan, is that we find out what's going on with the production of this documentary. Because the next day we see uh, they're shooting a scene in the swamp, but the camera pulls back and reveals they're just on the side of the road, just using the trees, like pretending they're in the swamp. You know, classic Hollywood trickery. And and why is Will there? Will's now helping the team film. Why? Oh, uh, well, you know, Tress is like, you can have the rooms for free. And this stepson, I don't know, just put him to work. I, I don't have any use for him. So you send him out. She sends him out, too. 
yeah, I was just like, okay, sure, Will's working with the team. It's not that small a, a documentary crew, but sure. A cab pulls up and an executive from the network gets out. He's quite concerned with cost overruns on this latest special Ian's doing. And he's like, I've been looking at the, the budget. I've been looking at the cost reports. You're spending way too much money on like limos and champagne and fancy dinners. And I was sitting there watching and I'm just like, yeah, but he has two crew members and like there's no overhead. Like I, I admit like maybe that's a lot, but this is costing you like $500 a week. <laughs> Yes, I, I I felt slightly different. I was on network guy's side. Dude, he could not be running a tighter crew. He's got a cameraman, an assistant, and him. That's the entire crew. Well, the I think the point is not what he's spending. The point is he's clearly still running over budget, I think, is the point. Whatever the budget he agreed to, he's going over that. That's what I got. It's impossible. They gave him $500,000, and he's employing two people. He's There's just no way. There's no world. He has budgeted this out. He's like, I can live like a king if I shoot this with two employees. I suppose. I suppose. I'm still on network guy's side. <laughs> anyway, Ian does not give a shit about this executive. He's just like, listen, man, uh, there'll be a regime change in a week. You'll be fired. There'll be a new executive in your place. I'm not going to worry about what you have to say. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. He really, the, the network guy like leans on him hard and then he just pushes back like twice as hard. And I was like, well, I guess that that's what it is. <laughs> Anyway, they return to the Kip house and uh, Tressa barges out the door and confronts him as he gets out of his limo. And she's still really mad about the previous night. And she comes out and she says she's tired of men like him trying to take advantage of a divorced single parent like many men have done to her before. And I was just like, what? This is tragic, Tressa. What is happening in your life? and well and to underline that fact she's like you know she says this thing and it's like oh, like oh that's really sad and she's like so what i should have done is she's like i should have slapped you in the face for that and he's like well you're you're right i'm sorry and maybe to apologize can i take you to dinner and she's like okay i was like oh tressa no no i know it was the sort of a kind of apology from him and she's like but what if we had dinner together and she's like oh you're not like the others who all have done the exact same thing <laughs> i was like tressa there's a pattern here I know. I was just like, geez, this is what a weird, weird subplot. Anyway, next day rolls around. Swamp Thing is watching from the bushes as Ian yeah. shoots another scene. Um, and in this scene, he's going to pretend to discover the poisonous frogs. This is his big reveal where he's like, what's this? Poisonous frogs? They shouldn't be in this swamp. They're so they're so deadly that if they touch you once, you die. And they're basically unkillable except from extreme heat. Uh, and then at this point, um, he forces Yuri, the cameraman, to get, like, in close to the frog so he can shoot a better close-up of Ian. And, like, a frog jumps and, like, lands on his arm. And, like, he Yuri's screaming and, like, jumps up and the frog falls off. And Ian's just like, you're fine. It's actually not that poisonous. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. And then Yuri, that was the, the final straw for Yuri. He's like, that's it. I'm out of here. He leaves. So he's lost his main cameraman. It's crazy, though. Like... You've set these things up to be so deadly. They're killing alligators. They're killing everything that touches mm -hmm. them. Why not kill the? It shouldn't he's the villain? Shouldn't it have killed the cat? Like, why does the cameraman just like? No, you're fine. It's okay. It's true. It's because they needed they needed his turn. Like for whatever reason, they wanted like Yuri to have uh, stronger moral fortitude, and he was just like, "Well, I'm leaving now." And I was like, "Okay, but to what effect?" Like, I don't know. It it. it Yuri never needed to be there. He needed, never needed to be in the first scene saying you shouldn't do this, and he didn't need to leave. So it's like, you've given this character an arc for zero reason and for zero consequences. 
Well, it's true. He storms off, and then uh, Ian James just turns to the camera and he's like, I guess you're the cameraman now. And the guy's like, okay, I guess so. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so nothing's changed. It's really so they can also have Will be like, I suspect something's up because Yuri's just like, I, I told you this was a bad plan. And, and he, Will's like, wait a minute. But is Will even in that from? scene? I don't think he's in yeah. that scene. No, he is. He's there because he says to um, Is he Ian, also like, watching from the bushes? <laughs> he's also watching from... No, because he's part of the crew now. Will's part of the crew. There's only two, two people there, though. No, no. Will's part of the crew. He doesn't say and anything so he, the entire time. No, he does. He does. At the end of the scene, he says to uh, Ian, he's like, what did he mean by all that? And he's like, don't worry about it. No, that's, and, the, cam- that's he, the camera says he promotes the cameraman. It's Will. Oh, so I didn't realize that was also Will. So there's only yeah, he only Will. is employing one person. He's definitely yeah. not over budget. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's evil. He's honestly, he's really, the network's getting a deal on this. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, you're right. So they go back. Ian goes up to his room to watch the dailies from the day. And they had set up like sort of a two camera shot for this shot. And yeah. as he's watching the dailies, he sees Swamp Thing just standing there in the bushes watching. Like I love it. Swamp Thing. It's, it's the most we've ever seen Swamp Thing. It's literally head to toe shot of him standing, just standing in the middle of bushes. It's He's not hidden at all just watching how they got footage of this and didn't see it it's wonderful and it's just and and this is actually a better turn of an episode and why they waited probably 15 minutes or so into this 25 minute episode to do this turn it should have been from the beginning someone's filming something accidentally uh film a swamp thing and is trying to sell this footage i think it's a more interesting episode which is what this kind of becomes ian sort of realizes screw the frogs i have something better i have this yeah, yeah, yeah. footage of you know a yeti he's got or, two scoops now two scoops yeah he's got he's got this footage of uh something like a, a sasquatch or something yeah 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 anyway ian's got this he's seen it he goes outside he sees a uh, teenage will he's sitting on the porch strumming his guitar and he's just like hey a kid you, anybody ever talk about some sort of swamp legends about maybe a swamp creature <laughs> or something and this is at this point, Will's like, uh-oh, what does he know? Uh, but Ian's immediately like, well, anyway, I got to go. I'm taking Tress on a date, so I'll see you later. Yeah, and they go on a date. Uh, Will goes uh, in front of the porch and finds for why he had this here. I guess it's because he wanted the frogs to live. It doesn't make any sense. But what you saw is that at the beginning of the episode, what Ian has the frogs in is sort of like a red, almost like toolbox mm-hmm. with like holes in the top so that the frogs can, uh, I guess, breathe. And he has left it in front of the porch slightly under some flowers will goes down goes what's this opens it up sees that the frogs are there clearly knowing that he brought the frogs and i was like why didn't he just release them all what makes even less sense too is at the beginning when they move into the house we see the same toolbox and ian james grabs it to carry it himself and he brings it into the house into his room i was like why did he move it out into these it's like they just like needed it to be as like they just couldn't go back inside the house for another shot they needed him to find it in a bush out front realize there are frogs in it so swamp thing could enter well there is a line where swamp things like while he finds a swamp things like yeah i found it and i didn't know if he was talking about the frogs or the actual um uh actual container which is funnier because if uh swamp thing found that that means he went up into the guy's room took it and then brought it downstairs and left it by the porch for will to find like he's a cat like uh bringing a dead bird yeah i don't think so i think you're right i think swamp thing because he shows up and he's just like will's like 
I found poisonous frogs. Pumpling's like, yeah, I know they're all over the f- swamp. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of them. I got I got powers. I'm just gonna eradicate them all. It'll really weaken me. It could make me very weak. I, you know, I'm gonna have to lose a lot of my powers. And I'm just like, okay. I'm like, is that gonna be consequential later? And he's like, no, not at all. I just wanted to mention how weak I'm gonna be. <laughs> he's like, so if you want to do like a race or something, you'll win. Um, and then, and then it's at this point that Will's like, okay, enough of the frogs. I'll be wasting uh, most of this episode on the frogs. Apparently, uh, he's got footage of you. And and Swamp Thing's like, yeah, I guess, I guess that's bad. Yeah, and Swamp Thing turns around, walks back in the swamp. And uses his power, which is he sticks his hand into the swamp and boils the swamp. <laughs> he boils the swamp that, as you know, only kills poisonous frogs. Like, it's like we know he, only heat will kill those frogs. The only solution, boil the entire swamp. I'm like, what about everything else in the swamp swamp? <laughs> but what I liked is the way um, uh, Dick Duruk, who plays Swamp Thing, how he did it. Um, he showed that he was boiling the water. It just looked like he was having a smoky migraine. <laughs> I did like that he was smoking the entire time. I was like, "Why yeah. is something on fire?" <laughs> um, yeah, but this this right here is is maybe the saddest thing is that it's they the cut next to the morning. next morning. I know. Yeah, Tressa confronts Ian about the frogs. Yeah, Will told her last night. There's yeah. like she found those poisonous frogs. He's she's really mad. He's the one who released the frogs. And she sort of comes in that like very confident thing. Like, why would you do this? Why did you do that? Now, am I wrong? Did he? Does he imply that like, yeah, whatever, I don't care, and that they slept together? Well, that's what it is. She's yelling about the frogs, and Ian turns around and says, "It's none of your business." And besides, what do you care, Tressa? You got what you wanted. Yeah. And a hundred percent, it was like they slept together the night before. Yeah, and he's just like, it just is. <laughs> it's such a like weird, mean thing to say, especially for like a kid show. It's just like, oh. This is uncomfortable for everyone. And she's, again, the actress has something to actually work with. And she actually looks very upset. That, like, it's just like, I did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Ian heads into the swamp now. And he's got his camera. He's looking around. He sees dead frogs everywhere. And he's just like, well, so much for that. I better go find this swamp thing. And he's just, like, walking through the swamp with the camera. And then, like, swamp thing just steps out, grabs the camera, and, like, throws it into the swamp. Yeah, and he's like, enough of that. And uh, and then he he does his usual power, so he's not so weak. He uh, uh, he makes it storm. Well, it's because Ian reveals the Swamp Thing's like, sure, you threw a camera into the Swamp Swamp Thing, but, like, I've just got the tapes of the recordings of you in my bag. Like, that's how cameras work. Weren't, like, I guess he doesn't know Swamp Thing was a man before, but Swamp Thing was a man before. He does understand cameras, I, I would assume, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, yeah, Ian runs off with the t- footage, and yeah, Swamp Thing makes lightning. Yeah, but he makes lightning, and then I th- really this doesn't um, come out to anything. But Will is there, and Will like stands up to him, and he like knocks Will out really violently with a log, like knocks him out. Yeah, Will's like, I'm gonna stop you, and he just hits him in the head with a log. <laughs> and it like it doesn't amount to really anything because like eventually. Oh, Swamp Thing finds him. He's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, why did this even happen? Yeah, like, I don't know. There's no consequence to the action. What I like is this is, happens like in front of the Kip household. He, like, he basically hits Will in the head with a stick on his way to his limo. He gets to his limo. Tressa steps out of the house. She should have a full view of a like bloody foreheaded Will just bleeding out on her front lawn. She doesn't notice that though. She sees Ian trying to get in his limo. She comes out. And she slaps him for yeah. being such a cad. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, she doesn't know what's been happening in the woods. She's just like, I'm still yeah. mad about this. She's she's angry about her own personal thing where, like, he's, like, assaulted her son and done all these horrible things. But cut to uh, Ian going to the network. He comes to the network guy. Um, the network guy is still really being mean. His last three specials sucked. <laughs> Yeah, he sucked. He's he's he he. What it feels like is he's been a guy who's been put in. Someone else gave a bunch of money, dumb, you know, not in the smartest way possible. This guy's now being called in to like manage this budget, and it's it's out of control. So Ian basically is like, I don't even care what you say. I'm so confident in what I'm doing. He's like, remember that you said you gave me five hundred thousand dollars? Watch this. Calls his lawyer, and he's like, you know that five hundred you that they put in escrow? Send it back. I don't even need it. And, and the guy's like, you are confident. Now, I'll say this to Ian. Good power play. Maybe he should have waited a beat before doing it because he did everything out of order. So he sent the money back. You're like, oh, no, he sent his money. But he doesn't care because he's going to have this amazing footage to get all this other money from tabloids, I guess. Then he opens up his container to show him the tapes. And it's just broken tapes and, and frogs. And I was like, oh, he overplayed his hand. Why did he not look at those tapes any time between when he left and the meeting and why would he have sent the money back before he actually watched the footage i know he didn't open that bag once the entire flight to check those valuable tapes to see if they were okay or didn't make backups of them didn't do anything and so it's like look at that he got what was coming to him i guess (laughs) i guess and you're like oh that's the end of the episode and i'll say this for the episode because that's sort of the end of it is it's not a great episode but in terms of Swamp Thing, like it actually had a beginning, middle, and end. Now, does it all make sense? No. And uh, Swamp Thing still is like ancillary to the actual episode, but it's it actually seems like an episode, whereas before, I would argue in the first uh, season, they got they would get about 20 minutes and they go, oh, we should do something, and then they would like wrap it up. Whereas like at least they kind of tried to set something up with this guy. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't think you're wrong. I think they've now have more of a structure it's more of a typical like beginning middle and end there's like beats there Mm -hmm. it's just like now the most boring version of that where at least yes yes at least it was deranged before like absolutely deranged it's it's la it's it's weirdly as i think it's a a slightly better show maybe i shouldn't uh, put such a fine uh underline under this but like it's a slightly better show but weirdly a less fun show to watch because it was so insanely bad before that there was this unintentional hilarity to it because it was just like, none of this makes any sense. Um, it's so badly done. Not once in these two episodes did we randomly cut away to shirtless arcane reading Shakespeare. Not once. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or or there were one one scene where, for whatever reason, we cut to women's legs walking that we never understand who's what woman it is and there's no one walking. There's nothing like that. There's no dream sequence with a creepy grandma smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right none of that is in it but it, they're trying to make a tv show now and they're almost succeeding yeah maybe <laughs> let's get into rating it then okay so i'm gonna say for episode five better angels i was surprised at how much better it was again i'm saying that you know understanding what this is and what kind of show this is but i'm gonna give it a 4.5 and for swamp thing that's pretty good 4.5 is quite a high rating perhaps your highest actually i think so i i did wrote i said maybe my best episode is my note yeah i disagree in that i just like now that it just become an 
average episode of not good television I, there's not much for me here at least when it was deranged i had a nice time mm-hmm. um like i'm just like okay poise they're building a recycling plant but he's a bad industrialist oh swamp thing's gonna get them by bringing them back into the swamp it's like a really boring sequence where a man runs around and sees it. like none of that was exciting what i liked is uh confirmation that swamp thing is just a pervert he's just in the swamp to look at people and like I don't know what he's doing in there, but he's enjoying himself. That's for sure. Like that was insane. That shot. So that was good. I can give a point for that. And I don't know. There's probably something else I like in there. So I'm gonna go two. Right. It's gotta get a point for not having Jim in it. I didn't. I didn't mind Jim. I, he was. He was oh, as deranged as the rest of it. When Jim turned around that one time and said, "I'm not one of these dumb kids who has dreams." I'm like, "Cool. Tell me more <laughs> about that, Jim." I have to say, I do miss um, uh, in the first episodes we watched, it was always Swamp Thing being like, anyways, back to the swamp. He like just, he didn't want to be involved at all. This, he's like sort of trying by giving like vague, vague sort of hints. I liked it before where he just seemed real bothered that anyone would just want to talk to him. I I, I, I miss that Swamp Thing. I agree. Uh, What about Poisonous, Jordan? How do you feel about Poisonous? I'm going to give it the exact same. I felt pretty much the exact same about it. I thought the whole um, kind of subplot with Tressa and her sad love life was uh, pretty funny. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 10. <laughs> I will say I feel very similar as well about this one. Uh, the points in this one are for them recapping what happened to Jim. I was very Which grateful they did. And that, at, like, I'm sitting there, I've missed all these episodes, and they're just sitting on a couch being like, well, you know, I had a son named Jim. My my stepson, Will, moved from Philly to move in with me after he was sold into white slavery. And I was just like, excuse me? Pardon me? What happened to him? Could you imagine having that conversation as you're, like, uh, you know, a-wooing someone? You're like, it's like a, a soft lighting. There's, there's candles and stuff. You're like, anyways, my son was sold to slavery. <laughs> insane insane um and i don't know i i do agree i think teresa's character had a little more to do it was so weird like it's nice i like the scene where she like stood up for herself and like like there was like a little thing about no means no i was like oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. but then the rest of it is just like oh but she she's easily wooed by clearly dishonest men who just want to sleep with her to the point that she like out loud says is like this happens to me all of the time. And I was like, that is yeah. tragically sad and insanely bizarre. It, and then to have it culminate, her B-plot culminated in, you know, it's that he's running away. He's got the footage. He's going to get away. He's beat up. He's beat up the stepson. Swamp Thing can't catch up. His lightning is uh, ineffective, apparently. And then she runs out of the house. I'm like, oh, is Tressa going to, like, save the day? And she just runs up and slaps him. And he's just like, well, I had sex with you already, so I don't care. Bye. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's it? <laughs> yeah i'm gonna gonna give it a two again those are my two points a two two well you know what that means luke i think that means what we i think we both know we both sort of do from the beginning we have to we have to check the uh the continuum drag computer and see where we're at but i think we both know it's time to strap in yeah i mean you said you were strapped in in the very first episode of this the escape pod has been warmed up since we began it's been Mm -hmm. a rough go of old swamp thing Mm-hmm. A lot of problems on this show. So let's find out what the numbers are coming back like and see if we're escaping on the pod. All right, Jordan, you want to hear the current the current average for Swamp Thing? Yeah, I'm going to guess it's about a three. It is 3.42. Yeah, that's it. 
that's it. We're taking the escape pod. No big surprise. No big surprise. So what that means is next week we're going to come back. We're going to finish off Swamp Thing. We are going to jump ahead to Season 3, Episode 39, an absolutely yeah. insane number of episodes this show has. And we're going to see how it all wraps up. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm my my big excitement is does Arcane keep his hair through all three seasons because it's an impressive mane. Yeah. What if we come back and he's like shaved it down, he's got a little buzz cut now. I'd be so disappointed. Uh, at any rate, if you're disappointed that we're leaving Swamp Thing, which I I have trouble imagining anyone is disappointed <laughs> when they turn off Swamp Thing. Yeah, I'm sure everyone at home is like, that's enough Swamp Thing. I think that's enough. No, I think they're saying we need more Swamp Thing because he's never in the show. <laughs> If that's the case, you can get more Swamp Thing in your podcast by uh, doing a little thing called bonus episodes for charity. What we're doing is if you give a little charity donation to one of the charities on our website as selected by our past guests, we will go back. We'll watch an episode of your choosing from a show we've either taken the escape pod like we've done today from or in the best ofs, just like Swamp Thing, where we're just skipping over episodes. We're watching only a few episodes of each season. You can go back and be like, I'd love you to go back, watch this episode you missed. I'll, I'll give some money to charity, a little little donation there, help them out, and I'll get a little free bonus episode out of it. No, it's not free. You gave to charity, but it's good. It's it's good. Ultimately, you're not. It's the better angels of your nature, Jordan, gets you a podcast. <laughs> Nice, nicely done. You can find all the details about that at our website, continuumdrag.podbean.com. There's a link in the banner to charity bonuses for charity with information. Or if you want to just ask some questions, make sure we can find the episode you want to watch or just kind of need some more details, you can always email us, continuumdrag at gmail.com. I can fill you in on more details there. It's, it's no problem at all. Other than that, though, you can hop on our social media and see some clips from Swamp Thing. Yeah, you got um, Swamp Thing having a migraine and, and boiling water. And frogs? Absolutely. There's probably going to be... Uh, what else happened? <laughs> he checks out that uh, that doctor in shorts. That should be in there. Oh, 100%. That peep and swamp thing's in there for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not hard to find. And that's about it. Yeah, that'll be... You'll just watch peeping swamp thing on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all of that on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And the handle there is at Continuum Drag. I don't know. Do I need to start calling it X? I don't want to, so I'm not going to. Uh, but one day, maybe I'll have to. Mm. But in the meantime, listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.